episode of the Behind the Manga Podcast. I'm your host, Mongo Lurz, joined once again by my co-hosts, Winter and Vampy. How are we doing today? Good. How are you? Doing good. Pretty good. Yeah, are you doing pretty good? Yep. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> you should, okay, I didn't hear you, so I was like, oh, oh hold really? on a second. No, yeah, but we're good. We're good. Okay. We're good, <laughs> I think. Yeah? Okay, just let me know if it's if it's spotty because I don't okay. know. My mic should be fine, but probably because yeah. probably because too many people are watching the Super Bowl right now. Because <laughs> that's my when computer, we're recording apparently. this, right? As yeah, that's when we're recording this, right when the Super Bowl is going on. I didn't realize that when we reached out to our <laughs> guest, our up, I mean, our guest that we were going to announce, <laughs> and I was just until like I think several days after, I was like, oh. Uh, well, hopefully well, we're all. Yeah, I did until a couple of days after I asked, and I was like, "Okay." I uh, someone earlier asked me, "What are you guys doing for the big football day?" And I was like, "It's the Super Bowl. I'm watching House." <laughs> and that was like two hours ago. <laughs> I was like, "Oh." <laughs> well, I'm glad we're a manga podcast, not a football podcast. Oh, yeah. It'll be over yeah. <laughs> we should have talked about well, in today's episode. No, well, go ahead. No, I was just like we should have talked about Ice Shield Twenty One today. Oh shit! You're right. <laughs> Fuck. Well, anyways, <laughs> uh, in today's episode, we have another special guest. Uh, this time, we actually did kind of have to go through a couple hoops. Uh, we had to like fight off some like uh, people. We had to fight uh, Vegeta or something like that. We had to, um, you know. <laughs> go through, you know, take him on in, like, the tournament or whatever, right? He almost got us, but uh, we were able to prevail through, you know? And uh, we had to see... <laughs> like, tapped into that uh, stereotypical shonen energy. You know? Yeah, you're it, right. You know, everyone's watching me. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> and then we also had to go through uh, his uh, assistant as well, too. Almost as tough as an assistant as uh, David Evelyn's, but this one was cool. This one was cool. But today, uh, we are bringing you guys Brandon Bovia. How are you? You're not dealing with the average manga letterer anymore. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> How's oh, it going, shit. everybody? <laughs> that, no, that was, that was a good intro. I, I'm not going to lie. I like that. <laughs> you, might, you might not see it because this is an audio format, but I, I did like the, the Vegeta you know, thumb pointing at your chest. Oh, which means, I'm, which means I might die soon after the podcast ends. Oh, well, we'll make sure to um to hurry it up then. Well, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm of course uh, doing pretty good. You know, uh, y'all, you caught me at a good time. Uh, work hasn't been too too bad. I think I it was a little bit of a busy start to the year, but I think ever since like mid January or so, I've been I've been kind of coasting. <laughs> honestly, that's good. Do you think yeah. it's gonna like Heck, come yeah. back up, like you know, pick back up maybe around like April or something? Uh, it it. I feel like these days it does tend to wax and wane a bit. Uh, I think probably in end of this month through March, uh, my roster of projects will be uh, uh, a little bit a little bit thicker. Like uh, I mean, this just got announced recently, so I can talk about it. But uh, I'm working on um uh, was a Spider Man Octopus Girl. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw and, that. Uh, Viz announced it. Flipping, 
Yeah, flip, flipping through the uh, the volume, the sound effects are really hard. So that one's going to take me oh, a bit, crazy. I imagine. Uh, okay, I haven't seen the. It's funny. I haven't. I haven't seen the sound effects for it, even though I follow. Uh, I think the artist uh, Betancourt. I follow him on Twitter, and everything. He he's a nice guy. If you haven't followed him already, and stuff. Oh, I should do that. Yeah. No. He, yeah. He's really cool. And I know he. Yeah. I think when I picked up, I think when I picked up a review, like briefly reviewed, um, I think My Hero Vigilantes Volume One. I think I, I posted it, or I had a haul and whatever. And I posted it. He actually liked it, and I was like. Who's oh. That? oh, it's him. I was like, oh, that's Betancourt. No, because I tagged him. I tagged him mm-hmm. and I think the other, the author. But I think Betancourt, I think he did like it and stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know I've, I've responded to like some, I think when he first got this serialized, I, you know, I said congratulations or something. He liked it. Yeah, it's always cool when uh, manga artists kind of make themselves available and, and even interact with like their non-japanese followers yeah yeah no definitely but yeah so he's a cool guy but it's cool that um it's cool that you know i saw that you had mentioned that you're going to uh you're going to be lettering that but um yeah yeah that's going to be an interesting one i was curious to check that one out yeah i've definitely been (laughs) i feel like this sort of this running thread of like all of my big like I guess like like IP tie-in kind of manga, yeah. they they tend to be the hardest for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like working on Star Wars: The Mandalorian, that one's brutal. Working on uh, <laughs> I, I did Assassin's Creed for a little while. The Transformers, those are both. They're just a lot of a lot of them. I guess it's like very very dense with screen tone and lots of lots of very challenging and unique sound effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they tend to. Yeah, and while I was flipping through Octopus Girl, I was like, "Oh God, here we here we go again." <laughs> like the CJ uh, GTA meme where it's like, "Oh shit, here we go again." <laughs> yeah, it really it really is like that. But I keep accepting them, so it's it's on me. <laughs> I'm also uh, every time I'm just like, "All right, I got it this time." <laughs> I don't got it. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm also surprised you didn't. I don't think you're working on the X Men one. I was a little surprised about that yeah well well i was surprised that they announced it i was like oh what <laughs> uh i would imagine and that's that's kind of a a funky little thing i guess when it comes to uh manga announcements right like as freelancers you know generally i feel like we're pretty like we don't we don't get in on the industry secrets or anything like that we are only really privy to the things that we're working on mm-hmm. or or maybe there could have been a scenario where I was asked to do like um, uh, Octopus Girl, but like I declined it. But like, like usually, you know, they'll they'll let you know in like the email or like if someone's reaching out to you, they'll let you know like, hey, this hasn't been announced yet, so keep it on the down low. Um, uh... So you know, obvious, obviously, there could have been a situation, and there I think there have been before where I get offered something that hasn't been announced yet, and then I'm like, nope, sorry, can't do it. And then of course, like, well, now that information, you know, I uh, that's a. Well, that's a well, that's a little bit of a thing that I know, but I you know I would still probably shouldn't <laughs> put out there. Yeah. Um, so okay. Yeah, so but the, for the most part, case, yeah. They do tell you like you know in that email they do tell you the title. It's not like they try to describe it, you know, in a vague sense of like, hey, you know, we have this big property that um, 
is related to Marvel in some way. Like that. Like so they don't like so they won't tell you the title, but they'll give you like kind of vague things. They don't do that. Like publishing. No, no, they're pretty straight up about it. And oh, usually like I'll, 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 maybe not always. Uh, and I I feel like it depends both on the publisher and the editor, but like, you know, sometimes they'll just like straight up give you like a bookwalker link. <laughs> just like, hey, oh, check okay. this out. Yeah, does this does this tickle your fancy or anything like that? Yeah. So, you know, honor system. That that's where a lot of the stuff uh yeah really really comes down to and and i like having a job so i don't tend to leak stuff <laughs> i think that would go for most of us freelancers in the manga industry um but yeah no i was definitely a little bit surprised to see the the x-men thing so that that would have been I, f I feel like given my experience especially lately working on like older manga mm -hmm. which have challenges in and of themselves you know Maybe maybe somebody would have reached out to uh, see if I could do that. And of course, it also just might not have a team yet, um, which uh... is also possible. I feel like I feel like with Viz stuff, and then y'all probably see this, you know, following us on social media, where we're like, "Hi, I'm working on this." Um, yeah. yeah, you know, that's usually because we're asked before they're announced. Whereas, um, I feel like with some other publishers, they tend to announce stuff first and then ask people later there's one i don't know if i should say it even though it's technically announced so i i don't know if that would be a problem but there was a a, a yin press series that got announced in january uh and then i got i got asked to do it like the week after it got announced <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. relatively you know close relative time close relative time i mean yeah it's, yeah but that is interesting that they i guess each public or publishers take different approaches in that Regardless. Yeah, they have their own schedules. And I would imagine yeah. it also, at Viz in particular, I imagine it comes down to individual editor preference, too. Mm -hmm. But I do think so, it's, it's, uh, interesting to, it's interesting to have that kind of insight, because I do feel like people people online do say of like, oh, this thing is, like, okay, this thing was announced. Why do I have to wait so long? Translation shouldn't take that long. Lettering shouldn't take, like, I don't think you've oh, seen buddy. this. But it's like, oh, lettering shouldn't take <laughs> oh, long. Oh, no, I've, Translation I've seen shouldn't them, yeah. take long. It's like, it yeah, should be like, like, you know, it should take, like, I don't know, probably, what, a month to do? Like, even, even that, or, sorry, no, maybe, like, a week or so to do? And I'm just like... Well, uh, well my buddy's a scan like, later, and it only takes him two days to... To translate and letter a whole volume. Well, yeah, it's because. <laughs> and then, like, no, and then, like you don't the, have uh, the, the Tokyo the police. Like, oh, he's a scan later. Yeah. What has he worked? Yeah. On? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, I had a I had a separate thought about. Oh, um, usually from what I have heard, um, the biggest issue with like announcing stuff super early is like like distribution and like bookstores yeah. and stuff. Yeah, because I think yeah. in terms of like U.S. publishing, like you have to. It's slow as hell. If you want your yeah, if you want something like on a bookshelf, you know, on like Barnes and Noble or Books a Million or something, like you gotta you gotta let them know in advance pretty far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to you have to do that, and then you have to talk to like you have to talk to them to get it scheduled for printing. And here's something that I mean, sorry to segue a little bit, but. Here is something that people I think in the US don't understand about printing and this is not just for manga cuz I know I know we're a manga podcast but this applies to every book thing so your Brandon Sanderson's your Sarah J Moss your Stephen King's same thing for uh for printing um it takes about it takes several months just to schedule 
the book to be printed so or a book to be printed and i mm-hmm. think the minimum is i think it's between you're, you have to schedule between 9 to 16 you have the option of scheduling between 9 to 16 months mm-hmm. uh for any for any book i mean for anything but you have to schedule yep. by there it's like we can't we can't have the book ready to go and then oh let's have it scheduled for print for two months from now like you you can't that's not how the u.s printing works versus like europe where especially like france and italy and spain where they can schedule it for like two months out or whatever Um, yeah i also think for the for the bigger stuff it's part of the marketing hype cycle too yeah it's also true i mean that's also a good point yeah so it really it it depends yeah but like that's also i think why um you know we we've live in this era of like we're in an embarrassment of riches of like official symbol pubs of stuff mm-hmm. and so i know a lot of manga fans still prefer to read stuff physically which is great uh but like if you want something faster like it's there and you don't have to pirate it <laughs> yeah yep. yeah yeah and so giving 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 that option to people who want it i think is the super cool yeah, gotcha. Well, uh, do you want to give yourself an introduction? So for those of you who don't know who you are, they can... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> get to know the, uh, like you said, as you said earlier, the the manga letter who isn't like other manga letters. So you gotta well, live up to I just name. assumed everybody knew who I was at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but, but I'm, of course... Don't know. <laughs> you don't uh, know I who am... I am? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I am uh, Brandon Bovia. I've been lettering manga for uh, I think for, I'm coming up on seven years. Oh wow! Uh, I got I got my start in 2017. Um, I am a I think I think Dragon Ball Super and Kaiju Number Eight are probably the two things I'm most well known for. Uh, they, I think they're my biggest projects, generally speaking. Uh, they're the the ones with like the widest reach. But I work for most manga publishers really in the like North American market, Viz, uh, Viz, Yen Press, and um, Dinpa, I think are like my top three these days, usually. Um, I I did a lot of Seven Seas work, although I, like I said before we started recording, I haven't worked on a Seven Seas thing since um, Spriggan. That was the last thing I did for them. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. For, for no real reason. Just like, they never, they never hit me up and I don't really need... To, uh, I, don't, I don't need to ask for more work. Like I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> if they if, if they ask me to do something, of course I'll you know most likely say yes. But it's one of those like oh okay you know if they don't have anything for me, I'm not like out here like oh please give me more work. Yeah. Although, but if you have it, I'll take it. Um, I do one thing for J Novel Club. Uh, I've been lettering Faraway Paladin since like like five or something like that. Hmm. A couple years now. Uh, I did, I worked with Kodansha also once uh, for uh, Sachi's Monstrous Appetite, which is a six volume series that came out a couple years ago. Uh, am I missing anybody? Oh God, I hope I'm not missing anybody. That'd be embarrassing. Faku? Uh, no, I don't work for them. <laughs> uh, what about, um, what about, uh, I'm just going to list them, list some of them off. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just so we make sure that we don't, uh, forget anyone. And then it is like, oh, screw that guy. We're blacklisting. Yeah. Him. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, okay. 
I think you oh, said oh Square yeah. Enix books. That's the other one. Oh, okay, <laughs> got it, got it. That was the last one. I'm so sorry, Square Enix. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, you mean yeah. it didn't work and... for Titan Mong? Oh, I mean, oh wait, I forgot they use AI. Oh, in their stuff. oh. oh. yeah. <laughs> you, that, and... you just had to toss Titan like that. <laughs> <laughs> Catch its strays. Come on now. Uh, what yeah. about uh, for Yimpress? What did you work on with them? Uh, too much to really. I would probably forget something, so I don't want to go off the whole list, but um gosh, where do I even start with Yin? Uh Change Soldier, is that is that the top of my mind? Because I was literally working on it right before we started recording. Oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I've been doing yeah. Devil as a part-timer for them since volume uh, sixteen, okay. maybe fifteen, sixteen, maybe. Okay. Uh I know Rain oh, of Seven Spellblades is one as well. Yeah, Rain of Seven Spellblades is another one. Um, I did the the '86 manga before it got canceled. Oh, I didn't know that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh God, my my bookshelf is kind of blocked out of my view at this point. So I can't. <laughs> I can't turn around and see what what Yin books are on there. Uh, this is like Yin gets me doing a whole bunch of random stuff. Like it. I feel like I'll wake up and they'll be like, "Hey, here, take this," and I'm like, "All right, sure." Oh, um, I do the the like the sequel to is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon uh, uh oh, um the the maid i recently hired is mysterious that's probably one of my favorite ones from that i oh, do for you likes that one a lot yes yeah, i do that's good yeah um good. i did uh wolf never sleeps for you which is another three volume kind of dark fantasy isekai that one was sick i really i really loved working on that one okay. uh got to do a lot of hand-drawn sound effects for that uh i did a Higurashi Go omnibus once last year. <laughs> uh, w one thing that I'm super proud of that just came out is a manga called uh, Taking Care of God, which is an adaptation of a like a Chinese sci-fi novel, I think. Yes. Oh, well, um, okay. Since you said yeah, that, that's, have, the one that yeah. that's the one I need to read and review. Yeah. Well, you need yeah. to read and review it because it... Yeah, winner. Come on. You're going to dis winner. It's not guess due like right now. It's a different series <laughs> that's due. Well, that is due in it two is, days, and I have not started. <laughs> it is one of the only um, Yin books I've worked on where I did like full English sound effects for it. Um, so it oh, is dang. different than pretty much everything I've worked on, and I was able to do that because there were actual like it wasn't really like layered files, but um, all of the original art like had no sound effects. All the sound effects were done in InDesign on a different layer so it, it actually oh, awesome. it, it it would have been more work for me to like import and realign the japanese sound effects so um okay because i mean i think for those who may not know uh, we'll go to that later but i think for those who yeah may know, <laughs> the benefits of layered versus oh yeah that, yeah we'll go into that later yeah but that's something that I it think is people should know yeah it is literally only the second time in my entire career that that has ever happened I know you said something about Spriggan. Uh, I think you said something to me about it online on Spriggan where mm. you had to like use an actual eraser or something. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess this will, this would be a good time to get to get into that now about just uh, the the state of how how our art files are delivered to us. Yeah. Um, yes. Not, and so the whole thing with taking care of God and why that was so special was because most manga like the sound effects are like hard baked into the art um, by the manga artist. 
Um, and even even if they're drawn digitally, which is a, you know, a whole other thing. So in, anytime you see like any sort of English sound effect treatment or like you see that a, like a sign that got replaced, like the letterer had to go in and erase that by hand and place in the English text and then redraw the parts of the art where you could still see where the Japanese used to be. Uh, and that's a that's a whole process we called retouch. Um, and yeah. and so obviously, like that, is, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of highly specified, specified, very technical work. Uh, and on top of that, any any manga published, uh, I would say if it was published in Japan anytime before like 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. there's a good chance that all of the dialogue text is also hard baked into the art. Because uh, there's a good chance that it was glued physically onto the page by hand. <laughs> oh yeah, that's um, true. And so, and so, when talking about Spriggan, uh, which is a which is a manga from the '90s, that you know, so mm-hmm. obviously the, the other the other hint of that is that as as a '70s book, I got to subtitle all of the sound effects, um, but they were still massive, like 400 page omnibuses, uh, where I had to erase all of the dialogue by hand, and a lot of Spriggan had a lot of stuff that was like. Japanese text over the color, like the color art in particular, which was just like a nightmare. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like uh, over the color art? Well, like it was like if you could imagine, like because it was like we were our the seventies version of Spriggan was based off of like like a special edition mm-hmm. based in Japan. You know, it was like a like a, like a kanzenban or I think is what they called it. Yeah. Um. So like it has the color pages preserved as is you know not turned into grayscale um so and working working with color is a lot harder than working in black and white because it just it, it's a lot easier to see when like you could you can tell when somebody just like went in there and erased it and uh, you have to be very specific about how you like retouch the art uh, in order to make it look seamless with the english text mm. so Gotcha. Uh, those aspects of Spriggan uh, were a little time-consuming. Okay. Well, well, really, it was it was a lot of time-consuming <laughs> the whole project. So, yeah, if you could imagine, and that, uh, like, yeah, like like I said, anything anything produced before 2010, 2011 or so, like the, just assume that the English letterer had to erase all of the Japanese dialogue by hand, um, and. <laughs> so just like stop stop and think about how much of a pain that must have been for for some of those panels. Gee, so just imagine so I guess imagining the um like when K Manga did the stuff with Epo. Yeah, 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 when I saw that they were doing Epo, I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I could just I could No, really that guy got whoever is working on Epo right now is got job security for life. Yeah, I want to say I saw that there were like a bunch of people working on Epo that look they got like a whole they got the whole squad on it basically yeah, no, <laughs> what they, I saw. They put out the so that's, there. Yeah, that's how you that's how you localize a manga that's been running for like a hundred and thirty volumes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you have to do it. And so mad mad respect to all the people uh haven't having to put a lot of hard work and time into that because it's it for me, I guess it I guess it's kind of more of a like an intimidation factor almost like a it's more work it's it's not as much more work like i think anything with flat dialogue text probably adds somewhere between like two and four days of extra work uh onto a deadline which is like 
usually I think I have enough time for it, but that also means that like, because I don't have to account for that for 90% of the manga that I work on. I, I have gotten in trouble a little bit sometimes or I'm like, Oh crap. You know, I didn't yeah. give myself nearly enough time for this. Um, and of course, when, when all of the English or when all the Japanese dialogue is flat on the page, you're kind of at the mercy of like how one, how much dialogue there is and yeah. two, how much of the dialogue is like laid directly over the art. Because if the dialogue is in a speech bubble, like obviously it's, it's just white. So it's easy to erase. Mm -hmm. But like if a character is thinking and, you know, in manga, that usually means that like, or not usually, but you know, sometimes that can mean that the, it's just like the text is directly over the art. Um, so you, you'll have to just redraw it, uh, which again, sometimes it can be pretty easy. Sometimes it can be rather complex. Um, so you really, you really got to use all your tools. Gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've been rambling about this. No, for... <laughs> no, it's interesting. No, 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 you're, you're good. Yeah. No, yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. No, it's interesting because I, I think that people don't really understand the a lot of the effort that goes into into like I said redrawing. That's not for that's not what you well, uh, it, official. It, it kind of is. Yeah, redrawing, retouch. Yeah, I, I yeah, but, I, I'd, I'd call it that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So for lettering, and because it's it's also interesting, I've noticed is that the publishers, each publisher handles that differently. Where, yeah, for example, Viz, as you know, you completely replace the any of the Japanese sound effects or anything like that with yep. English equivalents. Like, there's nothing that is. There's like no whatever other language. Most of the time is Japanese, but if they get it from like a different place, what have you, that, yeah. none of the remnants of the original language. But then you have like I think Yimpress, and I think maybe Square Enix uh, books where you will have the the Japanese sound effects are still there, but you'll have like the English equivalent right above them. And then, yeah, and that. Yeah. That gets into a whole thing too, where there's there's like a like tons of different approaches to just subtitling sound effects. It's kind of its own ball game, yeah. Um, in and of itself, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, and, and Seven Seas also kind of does that, but it also depends because there's some cause there's some Seven Seas books I have that sort of do what they're like a mix. Yeah, they're like a mix, and it's, yeah, and also the other one people uh, and I forgot to mention this is the type of like even if you leave the japanese sound effects do you have the english ones have the same like design or do you just mm -hmm. have have it with a straight um i don't know if it's comic sans or whatever kind of font well i hope it's not well, <laughs> yeah that that yeah. gets to a whole thing where we we call it uh well actually i, I don't know if we've really agreed on uh like a terminology for it i like to call it like stylized subtitles is when you sort of make it look like the Japanese sound effect and then like simple subtitles where you just it's usually just like a plain font usually yeah, something different than the dialogue font sometimes you know again again even even that has its own thing like the the yin press style is the sound the uh, the sound effect subtitles very simple and it's like you have the Rom the romanized japanese and then the translation in yeah. parentheses um whereas something like um, like the Shonen Jump simuls, where it's like it's all subtitled, but you can use you use one font, and sometimes it's like you know you match like the color and the the stroke, the outline to whatever the Japanese is. So it's like it's all simple, but like 
is if the sound effect is black, then you use a black font. If it's white, then you use white and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being a freelancer working for like six or seven different publishers all with their own rules. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, and sometimes those actually often those rules contradict each other. So it can it can be a little wacky. <laughs> Dang that that. Yeah, that could totally I could definitely see that being crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of why, like, I, I see some comments every now and again, just like, oh, you know, why do they replace the sound effects at, at Fizz still? You know, I'd much rather see the Japanese ones. So, like, I'll, I'll see people who just, like, they don't understand the process, and so they just, they all they all assume that we're all doing a bad job or whatever. It, we're, I guess it's more, like, whether or not, like, my opinion on what approach you should take doesn't matter. Like, I'm literally just being like, all right, they want it this way, so we'll do it this way. Yeah. Um, and and as a as a freelancer i think it is kind of my responsibility to have like the flexibility to to be able to do whatever like like to meet the needs of the client basically yeah so you know you you can you can have your preference for whether or not you know replacing sound effects is good or not but like that <laughs> i'd like to think that given that i don't have a choice in the matter i'm doing a pretty good job <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah no i i mean i I'd be surprised if anyone says you're not, but I mean, because yeah, like you said, it's up to the client because the client is the one paying you, not, yeah, not some like rando online and not us. Like, yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the other don't thing. Look at too. Us, we have no like, money. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I guess that's sort of the nice part about, uh, manga lettering being kind of this invisible art where nobody really understands how it works so for the most part i don't really get people complaining about you know <laughs> what kind of job i'm doing uh yeah. which you know for better or for worse but i think also it depends on the publisher how much freedom i get to approach a project with so you know something that could feasibly be my fault at one publisher maybe is out of my hands at another publisher so it just it really just kind of depends yeah all right. Um, I guess I can segue into the start of our questions. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <about that. laughs> no, no. I've been totally yapping good. this whole time. We all got a whole, whole bunch of questions to go you're through. Good. Nah, you're good. Okay. Nah, you're it good. is perfectly <laughs> fine. I like, think that kind of you started to touch a little yeah. bit on some of our, some of the later questions down the line. So I think we're we're, we're good. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. We're about good. It. We're all good. And again, like we told David earlier, like the th the big thing that people like about our show is that. We give, you know, everybody a platform to speak, and lots of people don't really know the story behind you and all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Right? They just see yeah. the final yeah. product, and that's it. And It's like it's an easy well, thing to take for granted. Great. Right. For, for both the reader and for me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, yeah. I, think, I think if people don't notice the job that I'm doing, that means I'm doing a good job. But that also means... Yeah. That you know, I'm I'm so in the weeds on the stuff that I'm like, oh right, yeah, like most most like normal people don't notice this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right. Hey, uh, winner, you think you have the first question? Yeah. Um. So, Brandon, how did you get started? Oh boy, that that is a fun question. So I'm I'm an artist, right? Like, mm -hmm. lettering manga is you know. I, I kind of call, I describe it to, to people as like a top five dream job. Uh, but like when I was in high school, in college, like I, I went to college for animation. You know, I was drawing comics um, in college and high school. Um, and so while I was drawing comics in particular, I, I paid special attention to like 
I would I would look at the manga that I was reading and kind of like studying the lettering, and I would because I I wanted my my drawing and my comics to feel as authentic as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really you know I was looking at like Naruto and Dragon Ball, One Piece, that kind of thing, uh, and just whatever I could get my hands on and go like, okay, how do they, you know, how do they do the lettering and stuff like that. So that that's kind of where my baseline knowledge kind of came from is like doing a whole bunch of like research and think just thinking about how how a manga is lettered because i think as a um as like a comics creator i think how the reader kind of experiences the story is like that like it's just as important you know like mm-hmm. so i wanted to make sure that you know even even if i was just like an amateur and kind of just <laughs> opting with my own thing I, I wanted to try and understand um and that's i think really what formed like the baseline of my manga literary knowledge uh which um and then the entirety of my college career went by uh and, and then some uh and then i applied to i applied to seven seas i remember that was that was like new year's eve 2016 i think just straight up and so i had like my um my college experience like with my portfolio you know mm-hmm. both both my comics and just like general kind of graphic design know-how and you know knowing how to use photoshop uh and that was sort of what got me in the door and then you know just a few months later i was lettering my first manga um which <laughs> um my first manga was a series for seven seas called uh, akashic records of bastard magic instructor uh, oh which wow ran for uh, something months. like yeah, yeah, that God, that ended something like last year, the year before that. Yeah. It was it was wild to me that my first series was like it ran pretty far into my career. <laughs> yeah, that, like, is, that is still one. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, yeah. I, I want to say the the anime started right when I started lettering the manga, or like like during it. It was like that was like spring twenty seventeen. Uh, so that was that was a fun little like oh this thing. Yeah, um, and and then once I I had a couple volumes of Akashic Records down, I sort of I hit up one of my contacts at Viz who uh, we met just like I was a fan and in town and at a convention. Um, I uh, I was acquainted with um, Alexi uh, Alexi Kirsch, who's the editor for uh, One Piece. Mm. Oh, I don't even know what he uh, edits these days. Uh, <laughs> Uh, other than One Piece, but you know a lot, a lot of stuff. He was doing, you know, Naruto and Bleach at the time too, so all the all the the big three stuff. Oh, wow. um, and so we we had met briefly when I was like eighteen. Uh, I was like I was in San Francisco for some reason, uh, and then he, I don't really remember the circumstances. He he gave me a tour of the Viz offices at the time, uh, sent me home with a bunch of manga and stuff. And then like a couple years later, when I was like a I was like a sophomore in college, we we played Dark Souls co op for a little bit. <laughs> And then, like, five years after that, I was like, hey, I became a manga letterer. <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> so that's how I started working for Viz. <laughs> wow. So it's kind of yeah. So a couple of points I thought was kind of interesting is that your first job uh, as a letterer was with Seven Seas. Because what it yeah. seems to be, after talking to some people, whether it was on the, you know, on this podcast or off, you know, off the record kind of thing, the 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 steps seem to be 
that you get in with J Novel Club first. Do yeah. There and for like I don't know maybe a year or something like that, and then mm -hmm. you jump to you apply to like other publishers. Most of the time, I think it's Seven Seas, and then from Seven Seas, it's like maybe Yimpress or Viz or Kodansha, whichever yeah. ones you want. But it's well, interesting that you jump from you started with Seven Seas and. Yeah. Point. I don't think J Novel existed uh, when I started, so uh, <laughs> that might be one thing. True. I'm actually not, actually I'm not sure about that. You know, don't don't quote me on that. I I want to say that they didn't exist. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think God, because I I get this question constantly of like, all right, you know, I want to make a career for myself localizing manga. Where do I start? And I'm just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it it sucks, but it really does kind of come down to random chance and connections a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I think publishers like like J Novel and and Seven Seas, I think, are probably some of the more open ones, and they tend to they tend to license a whole bunch of stuff, and they have a lot of work to go around. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I think they do tend to be fairly like newcomer friendly, mm -hmm. so that might be why. Um, whereas getting getting work with a lot of the other publishers can be rather obtuse. It can it can really kind of just come down to like who you know mm -hmm. um but, but but i guess on that front then like maybe my advice would be to just make friends with like other people who also want to letter manga or are like really early on in their careers because you're kind of like you'll kind of boost each other up you know and so mm -hmm. that'll end up you'll end up in a situation where you're all kind of like sharing contacts with each other and like oh a lot of times it does kind of just come down to, you know, like, oh, I need a person for this. Oh, and my regular person for this isn't available. So, like, hey, do you know anybody who's, like, available? And if you're willing to take a, take a chance on somebody new. And yeah, that's kind of a lot of what it comes down to. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this on the podcast because uh, I, I hope I hope my, my Viz contacts aren't listening. Uh, but... When I started at Viz, I didn't know how to use a design. Just straight up, like. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's with all. I, all dogs. Like, do I, we really know what we're doing when we first get hired? Like, do we? Really I told them that I did, and I super, I super didn't, and I kind of just winged it. I mean, uh, don't do that. Too late now first off, them, yeah. So. I mean, I I figured it out, you know, pretty fast. To, you know, yeah. We all we all hate a design here in the industry because it, it's annoying and it sucks and it's bad. Um, but if 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 you're willing to give it its time, it's not that hard to learn. So I was kind of just, and mind you, I was figuring this out on the job. And I think my first my first work with Viz was through Jump. So I was doing simuls oh, wow. while learning in design. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. So it was a little it was a little wacky. Um, but I, I I say that to mean just like. I think we're all doing a little faking it while we make it, but I, yeah. again, I want to emphasize: don't do what I did. <laughs> I think I think I, you could I maybe like get away of, with it yeah. on volumes, but yeah, for symbols, don't. I, I feel like this is kind don't. of funny that like you and David Evan, when we had on had him on here, he said something like how he got when he got in, like it gets his past, and he's like, also, do not do what I did. Yeah, no, seriously. Well, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Like. The seven seas part, yeah, totally. Like that was, you know, yeah, basically just a cold call, and you know, those don't come around, you know, all but so often. You know, I think they're a little more common these days because there's just so much more manga being localized than there was even in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, it just like 
sometimes all it takes is a cold call and being at the right place at the right time. And then other times it's you, you played you played Dark Souls with a Viz editor and then like four years later you're like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> so the other one you had mentioned is that to one of the advice which I found was interesting is you said that we should that someone should um, if they want to start out, they should try to connect with their peers who are the same yeah. like experience level. So, you know, I know there is um, Finn who I I think I was following the when but way before they got into the industry and stuff on Twitter. Yeah. But like if you're someone starting out and you want to do lettering, how do you make those contacts with your peers? So if it was like myself and Vampy, for example, and we didn't know each other because we didn't have this podcast or whatever, how would I be able to connect with her who is like who would be my peer and we have the same experience level? Or her she her trying to connect with someone else who would you know, who would also be in our same level. Like and you know, we don't know each other because we're all in different from different places and different locations and states and all of that. Yeah, I guess it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, I don't know, ask for feedback, ask for advice. You know, like, I think that's a good way to really kind of get the attention of anybody is just like, you know, hey, I'm working on this thing. Can you just like, just real quick, you know, because I feel like it, uh, I guess a lot of us are super busy, so it could be hard to like get our attention, but yeah, I think I think advice and just like, you know, like putting yourself out there, you know, like yeah. you can't get hired for something just because people can like people can't read your mind. Yeah. So you ha you have to be like known as a person who wants to get into a thing in order to get the thing. Mm -hmm. So, so. Would, it, would it be possible like, OK, so hypothetically, could someone like let's say take me, for example, this is a big hypothetical because I'm not artistic whatsoever, but if <laughs> I, but okay, I want to get into lettering. Would it, would it help to, well, get, sorry, get picked up by, you know, get officially into, you know, lettering for manga for a publisher, anyone, um, come trying to get my foot in the door, you, you know, would it help to try to, would it help to find peers by, Let's say I buy uh, an issue of like the Raws of you know a, a Japanese version of like you know let's say Chain Soldier or le let's say Kagurabachi, you know, right? And then do that stuff myself and like just put up like one um, like maybe one page and it's like hey this is you know I tried to letter volume one of this series that you know this series that maybe is unlicensed or or whatever um what did you know what does everyone think about it? it's just like one page like would yeah that, would i that be good you know to do on social media or is that like a you know a no there or because it's the goal is to try to connect with try to find my own peers in this case right you know, yeah 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 it's definitely like a tricky line because mm -hmm. uh, I, I guess you should just like make it clear like I'm I'm not doing this to like put it up on like scan sites or anything like that. Yeah, you know because it because what you're basically doing is like making a portfolio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you're, I feel like when you're making a portfolio and like applying to publishers and stuff, like I think you could make it clear like, hey, this is work that I just did for practice, mm -hmm. and that I think is 
clear enough to be like you know the, the understanding is there like that you're not um you know you're you're not doing piracy or anything like that so in, in that case yeah i think like a yeah it, it would really depend like I, I don't know if i have an issue with putting it up on like social media or something i guess it just depends on like who you get to catch the attention to yeah gotcha. yeah i guess i think for for freelancers we'd probably be pretty chill with it because it doesn't matter at the end of the day but like if somebody who works like it in how like in-house at a publisher sees that like ah you know maybe there's like a there's like a 50 50 shot that they might feel a way about that maybe they don't i don't know gotcha Okay. Yeah, and th that's the other thing too, though, is that like, in a weird way, lettering is not the only way to get a job. Lettering manga, as absurd as that sounds, but because uh, I want to, I want to say what a lot of people are looking for is like design knowledge, software knowledge, and the ability to follow instructions. Like, <laughs> you, you get those three, and you're probably good. Uh, the yeah. rest you can kind of just like figure out because the most publishers do just have like style guides and you know uh guidelines and just the rest kind of just comes down to like taste and best practices and you know uh sarah lindsley has her wonderful tutorials on her website and stuff like i think the the knowledge is out there now and it's it's i think pretty easy to get to like a baseline yeah all right um alerts you have the next question Yes, I do. I think you kind of touched this on a little bit, but to kind of give like a definitive answer, uh, what was it that really made you want to go and say, you know, I want to be not just any letterer, but the best letterer out there. The one that, <laughs> you know, like the minute someone thinks of the word letterer, they think of my name. What was it that uh, made you want to be a letterer? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of implications in that question. I'm not sure <laughs> I entirely agree with, but um <laughs> Uh, I think it was more of, honestly, just, like, I just like doing it, you know? Uh, part of it is also money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. I, I feel you're, like I, I have, there. <laughs> despite the fact that, you know, I can, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not a perfect letterer by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I'm often late and need, you know, like, we have, you know, corrections phases for, you know, uh, mistakes. I can make mistakes rather often, um, and you oh. know we 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 fix those mistakes. You know, we make sure everything gets cleaned up. So I'm not gonna be like, oh yeah, I'm I'm the best guy around. But you know, I think the key to being, I don't have a long career in letterer because I'm the best one. I'm just you know I I respond to emails and uh, I I take feedback. <laughs> I think, and and I'm not so late that it causes problems. <laughs> I think that's really that's really it. But like, I do just get kind of like an innate joy from from watching myself kind of get better. Uh, and my like my lettering process has changed a whole bunch over the years, and I I gain a lot of satisfaction from just like, you know, going through a volume and then kind of learning like, oh, I can do this a little bit faster, or I can do this a little bit better. I, I guess it, it it's not really like a conscious thing of like, oh, I'm gonna get better and better and better. It's just more like. I've been doing this for so long that, you know, you sort of refine your process and the things that used to take you a long time no longer take as long. So then you get to put that time into something else. It really depends, you know, I, I don't know. And also, I think this also goes back to uh, having my roots in drawing comics. Um, 
because and really just like studying how manga were localized in the like late 2000s early 2010s you know so a lot of a lot of my style and preferences comes from you know big bombastic stylized sound effects you know yeah um and and a lot of that stuff in english manga is kind of bore out of limitations right like um especially in the days you know before when people were still erasing dialogue by hand where it's like a lot of times sound effect placement in in english manga is just kind of like what part of the art is like going to be the most annoying to redraw (laughs) (laughs) so you kind of you kind of place your sound effects in that way and a lot of and a lot of like manga sound effects in general are just i think really bombastic in and stylized in a way that you don't often see in american comics Mm. so really i think especially when i started working at viz like i was i was just kind of chasing that (laughs) for sure and i I think um once i started working on dragon ball that that was probably when i uh and that was i started working dragon ball super in 2019 and Having having to do a you know work on a mo- on, a mo- on a manga that's like ninety percent sound effects, you'll get pretty good at doing <laughs> sound effects for fights. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's the right. best training. Yeah. yeah, it really is. You know, I'm I'm out here just like you know Goku in the hyperbolic time chamber. Like you just you just gotta do it. Yeah. All right, uh, Vampy, you have the next question. Yeah. Uh... Do you enjoy lettering more than translation? I guess, yeah, yeah that's an interesting question. Because, like, I I do I have translation know. experience, uh, and I do like it. My, my Japanese is is aggressively okay. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, and so I, I guess I, I I enjoy lettering just because I do it way more. If I had to choose, but I actually really do enjoy the the process of translation, um, and I've only been able to do it kind of here and there definitely not lately and i'm definitely not really good enough to uh to really do it consistently but you know there, there will be times working on projects where like oh the translator forgot something it's like i can't really be bothered to ask them or go through the editors i'll just like i'll just sneak this in myself <laughs> um but especially over the years i've come to really appreciate the process of um things like syntax and word choice and all of like the unique challenges uh, that come with translation, especially when it comes to manga, where you you have certain limitations in terms of like word bubble space, and you know, so things like word choice or mm. terminology choice, like you have to consider the space in a way that you may not have to for other like mediums. Yeah, but yeah, I definitely. Uh, I guess if I had to choose one, I would prefer uh, I prefer lettering, just because you know <laughs> that's what I'm doing most of the time. Yeah. Gotcha. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next one is kind of a multi-question, but can you walk us through your usual process in your lettering? Um, oh yeah. Does it differ at all between series or between publishers, maybe? And then uh, has your work, has your process or workflow changed at all over time? And how do you think it might change in the future, if at all? Oh boy, this is this is gonna get super nerdy. No, <laughs> so go ahead. Yeah. No, we, get, we get, get locked like in this for this. Nerdy, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> first off, uh, does my process depend on the series? Yes. Does it depend on publisher? Also, yes. Um, and oh boy, yeah, man. How do I? How do I want to start with this? So, 
in a broad sense, uh, oops, hit my microphone. <laughs> oh no, you're good. In a in a broad sense, um, how most manga or I guess how I approach most stuff is like we receive the um, like the high resolution art files from the publisher, mm-hmm. and then the first thing I have to do is like I'm tasked with laying out the art files to like the the publisher's like size template and that can that has weird like process things in and of itself because that could either mean like uh you know sometimes that template is not the same size as the japanese so it needs to be scaled um and then it needs to be like i'm i'm the person who has to go in and like you know nudge the art so that it's like it's cut off at the same part as it is in japanese because you know the uh when you're when you're drawing really anything for print and of course that includes manga you're drawing like past where it is being printed and so there there is art that exists past the cutoff point and if the um if say like the publisher's template has a different cutoff point then or like like the size and dimensions are different compared to the japanese volume then we have to account for that or we we have to like it it really it depends on so many other factors but you know you try to get to as close as we can um and sometimes sometimes that means getting close on all sides sometimes it means like okay the top and bottom are cut off slightly but like the left and right are um are are closer or vice versa or really any myriad other things is like manga uh layout is what we call it it is it is there's a lot that goes even into that um and uh at some publishers like uh like like seven c's they actually do all the layout in-house so we we're just we, we don't have to worry about that step uh and sometimes depending on the publisher like for some stuff i can just we get like the japanese indesign files and i could just copy and paste the art into the english uh, but sometimes it's just like you have to import the raw files by hand and sort of arrange it. So it, it becomes this whole thing. But yeah, layout is usually the thing I do first. And then I copy paste the uh, the translation into the art, which what I used to do uh, just because it fit my brain better was like I would I would have like the Japanese volume open and I would just go through. I would make text boxes just like page by page, just make a bunch of empty boxes um, and you know, paying attention to where all of the te- all the dialogue text is. These days, I make the boxes and paste the translation in at the same time, just because it it feels like it's a little bit more efficient. But uh, I try to like my brain feels like it works best when I'm kind of locked into one or maybe two different processes at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. so really, w- when it comes to any sort of step in the process, it's like. Okay, I paste all the text for the entire volume at once, and then I'm like formatting all of the text at once, and then I am checking to make sure that like my fonts match against the Japanese all at once. Like so, I, I go in passes basically, um, and depending on the series, depending on the project and publisher, I will do the same thing for my sound effects. So, yeah, it, again, it also depends, but you know, sometimes I'll like. I'll erase all the Japanese sound effects in one go, and then I'll place all my English sound effects in one go, and then I will do all my retouching in one go. It, it kind of depends on what feels the most efficient. I think 
I think I am more disciplined on that stuff the harder uh, a volume is. <laughs> Yeah, because for for some stuff I can do just like all right, I'll clean and then place the English text and then retouch mm. all on one page before I move on to the next one. Um, so it just kind of it depends on what I think feels right. Uh, and I like for something like like Dragon Ball, I think it really works um, since most of the retouching for Dragon Ball is like it's all speed lines, right? It's all I'm drawing a bunch of straight lines over and over again. So it behooves me to make sure that. Uh, all of my English sound effects are placed before I do any retouching so that I can just like sit down for like four hours and just draw a bunch of straight lines. Uh, gotcha. Because sometimes it feels it feels a little weird like going back and forth on processes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so uh, that's... Yeah, that's, pre that's pretty interesting. It was, <laughs> There's a lot to it. There's it. a lot, it's, yeah. No, it's, it's complicated, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really... It definitely does... Uh, I mean, like, and I guess, I guess one of the things that I've, uh, I was always curious about is what do you do if there is a Japanese sound effect that you, that I guess in your collection of like English equivalents, there isn't one of those, even in, let's say hypothetically, it's one that even if you use like, uh, Sarah Lindsley's, um, her bank of sound effects that's on her GitHub, it's not there either. Like, you have to make it yourself in this case. What would you have to do? Like, what's your process to, I guess, to do that? Well, I guess it kind of depends. So if you're talking about, like, if the sound effects translation has no equivalent, like, that stuff, that's that's the translator's problem. This is not my problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but, like, I'm I'm making, you know, I guess if you're talking about, like, if it's really hard to match... You just kind of get close enough. Like if something is super stylized in Japanese and you're like, well, like for an example, um, there's one that I posted on my Twitter really recently about from, from Dragon Ball uh, super. super Volume 20. Yeah. About like this sound effect like in Japanese where it was like it was transparent, but like the part of the art that was inside the sound effect had like it had like a noise effect over it. So it was kind of like a filter. And so I was kind of like winging it basically uh it's just like all right we're going to try to figure out how we can get as close as we can and it, it turns out we got pretty close uh sometimes i personally i don't know i kind of think good enough is good enough sometimes uh and that that <laughs> what that will mean mm -hmm. means different things to different people and to different clients and different editors um as i definitely i have some you know I have a lot of Letterer friends who they all hand draw their sound effects. Just, you know, they just straight up draw them. So they have no issue just getting they can replicate basically anything one to one. Uh, and I don't I don't have any qualms doing that if if the situation calls for it. But I'm much faster at using fonts. Uh, and so what will typically happen is, you know, I will usually pick a group of like somewhere between six to ten fonts per series. Mm hmm. Uh, and just kind of cycle through those uh, and just like use whatever kind of gets as close as it can. And if there's nothing that is quite there, then, you know, maybe find something that I do have or hand draw it, you know. Um, and there are some examples like um, <clears throat> doing the uh, the volume release for Red Hood, like mm -hmm. uh, Red Hood sound effects in Japanese are all over the place. They are. They're crazy. So I, I recognized fairly quickly that like there would be no no amount of fonts in the world 
could probably get close. So like 90% of what you see in those volumes is either hand-drawn by me or like traced over a font. Uh, because my, my, my hand-drawn sound effect work, I got to admit that that's probably my biggest weakness. Uh, I'm, I'm not as good at it as uh, a lot of other folks are. Even, even if I am hand drawing, I sometimes have to use a, a font to just like trace over. Uh, but you know, that'll usually like, again, sometimes close enough is close enough. <laughs> gotcha. Alerts, you have the next question. Yes. So speaking about more, um, Viz, right? Um, yeah. You noticed that uh, Viz titles seem to completely remove the Japanese sound effects while other pub publishers opt to retain them and have the English equivalent right next to it. Um, yep. Actually, one of the titles that um that really like struck me, like the one that's like ingrained in my brain right now, is Fire Punch. That very mm -hmm. iconic scene where uh, Agni punches the, his uh, fire fist through the guy and it goes Fire Punch. And when I found out, like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then when I dug deeper and I found out that whole thing was redrawn. And I'm like, oh, that's insane. So yep. if you're able to talk about it more, uh, how much longer does it take for Viz to kind of do that approach compared to like just leaving that those uh, sound effects in with the name? From a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot longer. Um, I don't know if I divulge details of like hard deadlines, but I would, you know... I would say at least twice as long as other publishers. Mm. Like at at the very least is it is uh twice as much time. Uh that isn't necessarily to say that I need twice as much time. It really depends again there there are some series that uh where I do full replace sound effects on that take like it's shorter than some stuff where I've had to subtitle just cuz you know a lot of a lot of what um, how long it can take depends on obviously the number of sound effects, um, and but also the sort of complexity and the detail of the original art. Because if obviously if an art, if uh, uh, a manga artist's art style is more detailed and more complicated, that means that it is it takes longer to touch up. Um, you know that that should be obvious. Um, whereas something like uh, you know I do I do. Um, uh, Snow White with the red hair for for Viz, uh, and that that might actually be one of the easiest manga in my in my roster, uh, mm -hmm. just because there's so, there's so few sound effects per volume. Uh, even even accounting for you know that has a relative amount of uh, action scenes for for a shoujo manga, uh, but even accounting for that, there's not that many sound effects, and a lot of them are over like blank backgrounds or like the redrawing is very simple. Yeah. Whereas something like uh, like Kaiju Number Eight, for example, is really time consuming because a lot of a lot of the fights take place in city. Well, one, there's a lot of fights, and two, a lot of <laughs> right. them take place in like cities. So the the backgrounds are really detailed, um, and there's a lot of really like fiddly details to make sure that I have to get right in order to make the English sound effects look seamless. So yeah, it really it really depends. But 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 again, on the other hand, there's there are challenges to doing uh, subtitles in in and of themselves too. But I think even with those even with those challenges, they do tend to be easier uh, because there's no drawing involved. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. No, yeah. you're right. 
Yeah. Although I would say, uh, even with subtitled sound effects, there is still some redrawing involved, usually with like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, publishers will still usually want like signs or um, a lot of times there will be like asides where there's like dialogue directly on the art that's like handwritten. You know, we usually still have to replace those. Uh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, Vampy, you have the next question. Uh, what's your opinion on the use of AI lettering that has come up lately in the manga industry slash community? Uh, it's bad. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's bad, but I can I can offer a little bit of a counterpoint to this mm -hmm. because and and really these are kind of two two different things, um, but. AI, AI, you know, machine like like lettering. I feel like the biggest issue is often just that like the people making those tools have like no taste. <laughs> so they, they tend to just be they, they're just badly done. You know, they're yeah. they're 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 just bad. Um. Uh. But I think they're like lettering manga is often really repetitive and tedious in a way that I think at some point in the future, like AI tools could possibly feasibly like get rid of that tedium. I don't, that's not really what's been happening now. Of course it's, you know, it's like, as always, it's like, you know, cheap companies trying to, uh, you know, race to the bottom. Yeah. It's like a full on uh, extreme. Instead of it being a tool, it's a it's like the companies think of it as a replacement instead of it being a exactly player. yeah because yeah. they don't understand uh, that you still you still need like a human being with taste to look at it and say like this looks good we should publish this or this looks bad we need to throw it out yeah <laughs> yeah uh, exactly yeah which is why uh, I think there are there are really popular. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to call them AI, but like they're really popular, like automation tools among um, letterers. Like we, a lot, of, a lot of folks uh, use a like a a an InDesign plugin called Letterer Buddy. That's uh, you know made by some maintained by some members of the community, uh, where it basically is like you can feed it a Word document and then get it to like paste text. Um, and you can assign that to like keyboard shortcuts, so you're not constantly going like Control C, Control V, Control C, Control V. Uh, so you, <laughs> that stuff like that really, you know, it reduces the tedium a whole lot. You know, I I use a whole bunch of InDesign scripts just to like save little bits of time here and there. Like I, I all of that in depth uh, that I went into about like layout and making sure that the art matches the template and stuff like that. If I can, I try to do as little of that myself as possible because I think it is the most tedious, boring part of the whole process. Um, and so there are there are various InDesign scripts that I, I use to try to you know claw back time basically. Um, but the the effectiveness of of those tools really depends on a lot of random factors, mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> sometimes you know the how the art files are like organized and named are like that can be a big thing uh, so sometimes you're just like kind of handed a mess and get told like all right try to make head heads or tails of this <laughs> so uh yeah it really depends uh one thing i don't see really talked about a whole lot in terms of ai stuff um but 
One thing that's been really popular lately is like Photoshop's like AI tools um, for oh, yeah. for retouching art. Yeah, which have been uh, they were they were kind of really awful for manga for a while, but they've been getting better over time. Uh, and there, there are oh. still again like it's another thing where it can't replace a letterer, but it, it's like it still needs somebody with taste to look at it and go like this is acceptable. But like if you're dealing with like a really kind of like you're trying to retouch out a sound effect and like the art is really complicated and doing it by hand would take a lot of time. Sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes Photoshop's AI tools will get you like most of the way there and then you can kind of do the rest by hand. So I think, I think that stuff, uh, if, if we're not going to get layered art <laughs> for, uh, any number of reasons, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like you gotta do what you can to hit deadlines, right? And obviously, how, what, like, what quality is acceptable will depend on the letter and the publisher and and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and and turns out, you know, a lot of folks, um, in like sort of like the editorial and like proofreading process, you know, they they can look super close in at stuff and be like, hey, this doesn't match, or like you missed this spot here, so. It's one of those things that sounds like a like a get out of jail free card. Like, oh, you can just like use AI to retouch manga art. Where it's it's not it's not that easy, isn't it? It's not it's not that yeah. simple as as much as maybe I wish it was. Uh, but you know, sometimes it can get you there. Uh, but also, a lot of times it just can't. Uh, a lot of those AI, a lot of the like Photoshop, uh, like content aware stuff, uh, like it just sucks on Dragon Ball. Like it is it is basically worthless. Uh, it, it it cannot handle straight lines uh, to save its life, which is what most of what I need to retouch on Dragon Ball is. So most of that stuff I'm still doing by hand. Um, but I think I think stuff that tends to be dense in like screen tone, mm -hmm. uh, which can be really and of course like if you don't know what screen tone is, it's like the like the stuff that looks gray basically. But it, like if you zoom in super close, it's basically just like a a grid of dots. Yeah. To look like gray, you know, it's like a uh, like a visual effect, basically, you know, super yeah. common in manga. Um, I think and, and a lot the, of uh, hmm? Shoujo and Jose manga have screen tones more than yeah. Shonen, uh, at least more than Shonen, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, broadly. Yeah, broadly. Uh, yeah, I think the the thing is that with because back in the day, like mm -hmm. you were you were if you were a manga artist, you were gluing screen tones by hand and like cutting them out on like with an exacto knife so there was like a there was oh, sort wait, of really? a like attack yeah 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 oh wow like they were they were basically like sheets of adhesive where you would and you would just like use an exacto knife to like cut out the shape you needed and paste it onto the art oh wow yeah yeah and so that has obviously that has limitations of its own <laughs> yeah um but with the advent of like digital tools and you know like me me and the homies all of us all of us manga letters we hate what clip studio paint has done to manga because <laughs> it is so easy to just like slap a bunch of screen tone effects onto art mm -hmm. which is a nightmare to clean up like if you're if you're retouching uh, like that is yeah it, it is way more complicated like if it like if i'm just like reconstructing like part of line art like like oh i erased this japanese sound effect and like i gotta redraw the corner of this character's hair or something like 
I can just draw those lines back in. It's super fast. But like with screen tone, because it because it's a grid, it's like a pattern on a grid. If what you're reconstructing, if it doesn't align to that grid, it looks super off really easily. So retouching screen tone is a lot slower and a lot more technical of a process. Um, and it's and it's really easy to make it look bad. So what you're saying is we need to like really start sending like alcohol to the letterers who work on a lot of those screen tone series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's why uh Clip Studio is has become a popular tool for letterers as well because it is often, you know, you're working with the same tools that the manga artist had, but of course mm -hmm. those same tools include like an entire internet's worth of like a marketplace of assets. Yeah. <laughs> so. Which is I guess that makes sense why they were so like a lot of manga artists were, I remember that they were so incredibly angry about Clip Studios changing their policy. Their, like, how, I think their license policy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it is kind of the de facto tool um, for a lot of manga artists these days. So, like, they, if you're working, obviously, if you're working digitally, you can use whatever. But, like, yeah. it, it has, I think, become the kind of the most, yeah, kind of the standard. Gotcha. Um, for for better or for worse, okay. Yeah, it, it it's tricky. So really, at the end of the day, like uh, the if you're working with screen tone, and if you're working with a manga with a lot of screen tone, yeah. Sometimes sometimes Photoshop's like like AI content aware and like generative fill and stuff like that. Like I've I've seen it do good results, and I've I've used it a good amount of times myself, but. I think it also really again it comes down to you know be responsible. It's it's a tool at the end of the day, and yeah. you know sometimes that tool is going to give you good results, but sometimes you need to to like tweak it a little bit, and sometimes it's just going to give you garbage. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. what I kind of feel like is like I think the problem is the two extremes, and I forgot. Yeah, I mentioned I don't know if it was on the interview with David or if it was before that um, when we talked about it. I think it may have been when we talked about it with. Um, the you know manga plus the rugby rumble situation with chapter one yeah um where i i think it's just the two extremes where on the publisher side many of them are think of it as a replacement like this will yeah. replace the human letterer or the human translator or whatever while and then which that's like we talked about that's just completely wrong but then on the, the side of the I, I want to say human for some reason. I don't know why. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but for like the translator and letterer, I think I feel like many of them are apprehend are apprehensive to using it because if they do, they would it would be like I'm training my replacement when there is now, and I'm someone who's not in any of this industry, by the way. So, um, yeah. I guess, from an outsider looking in from the information that I could gather, it seems like, you know, there's a middle ground, like you were mentioning, it's a tool that can help remove a lot of the manual repetition that yeah. you all have to go through, whether you're a translator for the AI translating or a letterer for, you know, to use AI for lettering, it can be used as a tool to assist you, not replace you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, like, what this stuff is is like a mix of manual labor and creative work, right? Yeah. Well, well, and and the creative work is also manual labor, but 
you know, there are aspects of this, you know, I, I hate, I hate doing layout. So I try to automate as much of it as possible because I don't think that it's really, there's not really any sort of creativity in it. You know, I would rather use that time to make sure that I am creatively working towards, you know, I, I I'm using like that energy for like the actual art, not just like, Oh, I have to spend like three hours, uh, you know, making sure that all of the pages are aligned. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I think sometimes, um, publishers tend to conflate the two, you know, you know, they're, they're just like, well, it's all, it's all labor at the end of the day. So like you should, you, you replace some, you replace all of it or you replace none of it. It's like, no, you still, you still need like a human being to look at this thing and, and understand what good quality looks like. Um, and I think as long as my clients understand that, like why they need a human in this role, I don't think that I'm going anywhere, but also, you know, it could come down to just like, well, you know, the people at the tippy top say like, we don't care about quality anymore. So like, I don't know, you're fired. Get effed. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um, oh, I have the next question. Um, so, ah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so with, um, you had mentioned it a little, maybe a little bit above like talking about, you know, the companies that you work with, but do the different team slash imprints that uh, you worked for at Viz Media handle their work process in different ways in regards to lettering? Uh, not really. I think it's more down to individual editors. Okay. I think I think it's, it's more like they all have slightly different processes. And obviously, um, some editors have projects like, you know, they lean towards one imprint or another or maybe multiple um so it, it's more of just like that tends to be what i pay attention to when taking on like a new project uh from a new editor is like okay how you know how does their process work you know what do they need from me and when um and what are the things that they like to look out for in particular uh which is i think can be a little bit tricky sometimes because uh, again you're you're doing this over email with people that you've never met in real life. You know, I'm, I'm over here on the, <laughs> I'm over here in North Carolina. Uh, I, I have, Oh wow. Yeah. Other, other than Alexi, I've not met any of the other people I work with in real life. So, Oh, you haven't you met know, David th in real life either. Or are you talking about just for editors? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As far, as far as visitor. Editor, oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. So, so it really is like kind of trying to read the tea leaves, you know, you're trying to, trying to understand how they work and um, yeah. what they like to do best. And sometimes, you know, like, I wouldn't say I have, like, a bad relationship with any of my editors. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, sometimes definitely it's just like, oh, I didn't know you needed that. Or, like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, you liked this. You like to do things this way in particular or do things that way. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily, like, an imprint thing. Uh, there, are, there are a couple of things that are, but, like, eh, it's, like, little stuff. So was that, you know, saying that you know, have it, having it be online um, and everything. Is it, do you do a mix of like, you know, I don't know if you guys use Teams or Zoom or whatever like that or Skype? Uh, it's just all, it's all email. All email? Okay. Yeah. Uh, J Novo Club uses Discord, which, you know, I, I've got feelings about, but. <laughs> don't, don't tell me, is there a Discord server that anyone can join? Is, is it that one? 
I actually don't know. Uh, because I've I've I would I've hope they have a separate D- Discord for I, employees. I, I think. You know what? I'm not going to speak on that because I can't. Okay. Uh, I don't know 100% one way or the other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I've, I, I'm, I'm muted all of the stuff that's not like immediately relevant to me. So I actually have no idea if it's public or not. <laughs> okay. I've not bothered. I've I mean, not bothered to look. Because they do have a public Discord, and I, I know Alerts and I um, have been in it, but. It, it was open and they were the ones who were like, they were promoting it on social media. Like, hey, we got this Discord. I would hope they have a separate one that's just for like, you know, any kind of shop talk, you know, internal shop talk kind of thing. But I don't yeah, know yeah, that. yeah. I would hope so. Um, <laughs> it's definitely, obviously, like, for the things, I would imagine the, you know, the folks working on stuff can can discuss work things without you know, with all that without all that stuff being public yeah um but there's definitely um obviously working on just like coordinating through email has its advantages but it, it does tend to uh excuse me things can feel a little bit isolating sometimes yeah but on the other end of things like I do enjoy the advantages of uh coordinating on discord like for my Jnavo project but on the other hand like I wish I had some more level of separation because, you know, I, I use Discord mainly to, like, hang out with my friends and talk about video games. So mm-hmm. having having that be the same space where, like, like getting a work ping on Discord, just like, I, I don't like it. <laughs> Personally, I don't like it. Yeah, no, I get yeah, that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I totally get that. All right. Uh, Alert, do you have the next question? Yes, I do. So I'm going to kind of bring in one question, but I'm going to tie it into this one. So, um, we heard a specific, uh, David Evelyn side of the story, but I'm curious. How do you? He's lying. (laughs) I don't even know where he's going with this. (laughs) I was going to ask, uh, how do you and, um, David Evelyn meet? Oh, uh, we're, we're both old school Yu-Gi-Oh fans. Uh, so we, we had some, okay. we had some stomping grounds, uh, some shared stomping grounds back in the day. Uh, and that, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Like he says, he, he credits me for like kickstarting his professional career. Cause I think I, I retweeted something about, uh, uh, Sekai project, you know, they, they localize uh, visual novels mostly. And then I think I yeah. retweeted something about that and that's how he got into doing work professionally. Oh. I don't remember that. So <laughs> well, that's what he says, at least. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of after that, like we were just kind of ended up in the same space somehow. And uh, obviously that culminated in uh, Kaijin number 8, where that was our kind of our first time working professionally, which, you know, again, as, as being two people who were both in like fan circles, you know, like a decade plus ago, it, it feels pretty wild to be like, oh, wow, you know. <laughs> We both made it. Gotcha. Yeah. So, gotcha. So, would you say who is Yugi and who is Kaiba in the situation? Uh, I think I think David's both. <laughs> mm, I'm okay. I'm I'm Tristan. Well, that's a turd. <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> Man, you didn't want to be uh, Duke Devlin or Joey. You just went straight for Tristan. Yeah, I'm just off on the. He's the one doing all the real work. I'm I'm off on the side here. <laughs> I got you, I got you, okay. 
Um, well, that and actually kind of leads me into... <laughs> um, <laughs> what were your two favorite manga, if you had to pick out of everything that you've done, that you uh, and why? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> if you can't do two, you can do top five. Kaiju number eight is my baby. Like, that. that is the number one for sure. Like, that. that has been the one thing that is, like, the most the most precious to me. <laughs> so I guess you're glad yeah. that, uh, you know, it's doing, it's selling pretty well in the U S yeah. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. It, it's one thing to work on something like, like getting to work on dragon ball is an honor. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I, I came into super, you know, like nine volumes into the run. Uh, whereas something like, like watching Kaiju kind of, kind of go from strength to strength. You know, I I've been on the series since day one. Um, and seeing it just kind of like gain popularity over time, you know, and and seeing people really just like enjoy the series and enjoy my work and getting to work with David Evelyn, like it's it's great. Uh, and so I really I really feel like that is that is a project that I get to put just like my heart and soul into. So I, that is that is a comfortable number one. The problem is is picking a number two, uh, <laughs> and, and even a, even a top five really. Uh hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It also doesn't help that I'm trying to, uh, trying to think, I'm trying to think of just things I've worked on in general. Kind of looking at the there's Chain Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> I just say I don't know why I laugh. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd say it's one of my. I mean, it's it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It, it is exactly what it is. Uh, oh, um. I feel bad that these are both Viz projects. Maybe Red Hood would be number two, actually. Mm, okay. I think so. Yeah. I think I think there's an aspect of it being kind of an underdog thing, and we all we all kind of we as a community all watched it just get really crazy at the end, and we were all just like, "What is happening?" And then right. um, getting to kind of come back for the print version of that was also like a huge honor because. Why did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It, right. it is one of those things that is just like, while I was working on it, I, I never would have thought and yeah. that it would have gotten a print release. But, you know, my, I don't have any inside information on that, but my personal assumption is that it, because it did have such high readership, um, mm -hmm. at least from what I could tell from social media, I, I, I don't have like hard numbers or anything, but it does look like the kind of thing that I guess had enough popularity, even though it got canceled. And, you know, I saw a lot of folks on social media be like, why are, why are they printing this? It got canceled. And I'm like, well, what? I get to do, yeah. I get to do sound effects for it. And like having it in my hand as just like, it feels a little more permanent, you know, more tactile. Yeah. 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 So having, having that uh, is like a huge, huge honor. Yeah, because oh. what was I remember me reporting that um, the uh, the Hunters Guild Red Hood Volume Three came back in stock, and I think I think you and I followed each other like a little bit before that announcement came out. But I remember mm -hmm. you and I talking a bit because you were like, "Wait a minute, it sold out." And I'm yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, "Huh?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sold out, and it came back in stock, and you're like, "Huh? We'll go look at that." Next time I'm in a bookstore, I'm gonna I'm gonna look to see if uh if it has like multiple printings. Mm. Because if if like Viz if it sold enough for Viz to like actually give the volumes like a second print run, that'd be nuts. That that would be 
kind of absurd again for, for this little yeah. yeah yeah no i think all of mine are all uh first first print manga or whatever yeah no i i, I <laughs> pre-ordered all of mine first so. print manga yeah yeah. And of course, every, all, of course, mine are also first print. So <laughs> just, I'll I'll have to I'll have to check to make sure. I'm I'm really really okay. curious. Yeah. No. Um. It, yeah, it did really well. I was. I mean, I kind of knew. I don't know. Sometimes there's a disconnect between social media, like the fans on their the anime manga fans on social media, and oh, totally. And, yeah. And like you know the actual performance and stuff. Um things but no red hood at the very least yeah it was it, it it did really well from what um we could gather and stuff like when it came over and things and so it was i mean there was that's a crazy lot of buzz. there was a lot of buzz <laughs> when it was simulpubbed and then it translated into like it got announced for print and mm -hmm. it from what we could gather it did pretty well in print yeah and again, as per usual with these interviews, it's a long one, so we're going to split it into two parts. So this is the end of part one of Behind Brandon Bovia. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and you can catch us on the next episode when we upload it sometime later this week. Right? <laughs>